Good evening. Evening. It is good to have this number back out with us for our evening half of our worship <coughs> service. All right, so let's jump right in this evening, as I tend to do. Let's turn into Ephesians chapter 2. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 2, and if you remember this morning's lesson about how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was saved in that fiery furnace by believing in God, so as you and I, in this day and age, when we continue to believe in God, we shall be saved on that great glorious day. And in Revelation, when we ended this morning, uh, John was painting a picture with his pen, and he says that where God's going to wipe away all tears of those who are faithful. Now there's, of course, the flip side of that. There's going to be those who are going to be saddened. There's going to be great loss and great uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth is what the Bible explains. You and I, those who have come to the knowledge of the truth, that is, those who have come into the possession of Christ's blood into our hearts, that is, who have been immersed for the remission of sins, Ephesians chapter 2 is talking to you. When we think about who we once were, dead in our trespasses and now alive, that's who Paul's referring to. He's referring to Christians. He's referring to the children of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. Well, I'll stop right there in that first part of verse 2. Verse 1 says there are two. There, 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 there's one or the other, dead in trespasses or alive in God. So we think about this, right? And you he made alive. Now, previous, the Christ coming to this world, whenever he says, I am the light of the world, he come to bring life. Does he not say, I'm the way, truth, and life in John 14, 6? That's what he says. That's what he promises unto us if we remain faithful. Let's keep that thought into our mind. But you and I once were dead in our, dead in our trespasses. We do remember in the, uh, also the ending of this morning's lesson about uh, uh, 2 John and verse 9 when we do not abide in the doctrine or have trespasses, we don't have God. We need to make sure that we're abiding in the doctrine and we're not trespassing against God's instructions. We once did that thing, that did those things that are contrary to God's word. We, we did it ignorantly, supposedly we did it ignorantly, and then we come to the knowledge of the truth. We come to realize what God would have us to do as faithful children. Something in our life happens, like a something motivated us to, to come to God and, and realize that his good grace was there. You just had to grab a hold of it. When Paul also teaches in Romans chapter 5 about the amount of grace that God has. God has more grace than there is sin in the world. I know we can't see God's grace. We can't see it. We can't, we can't touch it. We can, we, can, we can know it's there. We can know without a shadow of a doubt that it's available unto us, but we can't actually see God's grace. So, but we can see sin. We can see the iniquities of the world. We can see the works of Satan. God has more grace than that. How much sin is in the world? A lot. There's a lot. God has more grace than that. It's up to us as people to realize the truth, to realize the invitation that we need to grab a hold of and to say, I want that. And come to him, be obedient to his word. Because he has made us alive. 
by his power. He has made us alive through his sword. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's you and I. I can remember my sinful life. I remember that person who I used to be. I don't want to go back to him. I don't want to drag Jeremy out of that, that watery grave. He needs to stay down there. As I've said many times, that guy has no hope. But now I do. Because I, I, I did something that pleases God. I did something to make their joy in heaven. There was rejoicing in heaven when you repented of your sins. When you come to God, asking Him for forgiveness, putting His Son's, having the access to His Son's blood within your heart, putting Christ on, and that is being immersed or baptized for the remission of sins. I say that expressly because I know there's teachings going on out there. And listen, don't, listen, to, this, listen to what I'm going to say. There's teachings out there that says, well, you can be baptized once and you're saved forever. We can't study far in our Bibles to disprove that. We just read it. We were once dead, once walked, no longer doing these things. With this teaching of once saved, always saved, it's out there. I can be immersed or baptized and I'm going to live however I want to because Christ took on my sins. No. He took on your sins so they may be remitted. May be remitted. And I know the argument. I know it. John 3, 16, right? That's, that's the go-to. What about 17? No, all I need 16. If 16 is all that you need, you're lost. Because you're missing a whole bunch of instructions. Yes, God does love you. Yes, he did give his son so that you may not perish but have everlasting life. He did that thing for you. But what have you done for God? As we once walked dead in our trespasses, we weren't pleasing to God at all. We were pleasing to Satan, no. He was happy to have you with him. But no longer do we do so. We also learn in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, that we no longer walk according to this world. We, don't, we, we died to the sins, and we can't live any longer in them. Paul, he screams it out, certainly not. We can't do that thing. We can't do those things as displeasing the eyes of God. We cannot sin. We don't have the permission from God to be disobedient unto him. And in verse 2, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And if you can't see verse 2 talking about Satan, we need to talk. Because we see the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. That's the prince of the power of air. I told you Satan had many names. Lucifer has many names. That's his, that's his original name. The one that they, they called him in heaven. Whoa, wait a minute. You may not be fully aware of actually who Satan really is. Satan is Lucifer. Lucifer is an angel. He was in heaven with God. He didn't want to be equal to God. You remember that? There was a great uproaring in, in heaven. There was a great falling out. And Satan and all the other followers of Satan, all angels, were cast out of heaven. And they are doomed for an eternity in that lake of fire. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. We once was those folks. And now we don't do those things. It's not appealing. I hope sin is not appealing to you. I, we had a discussion a, a few months back about 
sin and the allure of it. As I tend to get a little more age on me, those sins are not alluring to me as much as they used to be. They're not. You might say, well, what about this? What about that? Okay, what about those things? What about whatever sin just popped into me? What about that? Does that really mean giving up my salvation for that one thing? Certainly not. Because those things are temporal. Works of the flesh are temporal. The fruit of the Spirit is eternal. Those things lead to eternal life. So we see Satan working in our everyday walks of life. We can see sin and iniquity and the results of it and the cost of it, which is another lesson in and of itself. The cost of sin. But we can't walk any longer according to the course of this world. And in verse 3, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. And of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Now, okay, I can remember a very good study on the word nature. So it's a wonderful study. I want to ask you a question. Do you know what nature is? If you want to pop into your mind, well, nature is something that God gives you. You are mistaken. Because when I first thought and was first studying the word nature, well, that's something God gives us. He gives us whatever's in our nature. No, it is not. Our nature is the thing that we are around. Our nature is the things we put ourselves into. Our nature is our surroundings. Case in point, does God like sin? No, he actually hates it. He hates sin. He hates it because he separates him from his creation, you and I. Isaiah 59 teaches us that. So then we look at if nature is not from God, because here we see... Uh, nature of children of uh, wrath, who are by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So that tells me that nature comes from something else. You take a child, you put that child in a Christian home, and honestly thinking their nature is going to be Christian or that type of direction of lifestyle. They're going to know who God is. They're going to know who Jesus Christ is. They're going to know how to live that uh, instrument of righteousness lifestyle, right? Living unto God. They're going to know what that is. Now you take that same child at birth and put them into a nature of sinfulness. Never going to church. Don't even know who God really is. Don't know the attributes of God. Don't know who Christ is and what he's done for them or even how to live a Christian life. They don't know. There's your nature. That child growing up in that Christian home is going to have a, a, a nature of Christianity. That child growing up in that sinful home is going to be a nature of a child of wrath. You might say, well, wait a minute. Here in verse, <clears throat> verse 3, we see by nature children of wrath just as the others. Before we came to the knowledge of the truth, before we accessed Christ's blood, before we gave God our heart, before we gave that commitment, as we was immersed and became his child, we was a child of wrath. We were showing God wrath. We was disobedient. We had yet to be forgiven of our sins. We were still guilty of our sins. There's a good example in your Bibles. 
A book, chapter, and verse escapes me. When John the Baptist come brand new teaching uh, baptism for the remission of sins. He was this brand new, right? They had no opportunity of, of remission of sins and they had to continue to roll their, roll their sins over. Old Testament, right? So they had no opportunity to get their sins remitted. So we hear some Jews say, hey, all we got to do down here is and go get wet. All we got to do down here is just be immersed in, in waters and we can be forgiven of our sins. Well, let's go do that. And John the Baptist rebuked them. He said, whoa, wait a minute. That's just a part of it. He says, you have to produce fruits unto repentance. That's the words that he told those Jewish men. You have to produce fruits unto repentance before immersion. If you don't do so, all you're going to do is get wet and you're still going to be guilty of your sins. Fruits unto repentance means you've got to change your life. You've got to rededicate your focus not on sin but on righteous things. Not on works of the flesh and its, and its desires, but now you have to dedicate your life unto righteousness. Fruits unto repentance. Just as the children of God do. So we see children of wrath, or, or by nature children of wrath, or uh, children of disobedience and those who are workings of the power of the prince of power of that is Satan. We see that example and in verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Now, don't misunderstand this verse. I know so many have. God's a gracious God. He's just going to save me anyway. God has more grace than there's sin in the world, so he's just going to save me. Yes, this verse says that very thing. God loves us enough to give his son to us, so our grace may be extended unto us. What about the rest of your Bible? What about the rest of your New Testament? Let's narrow it down a little more. What about your, the rest of the Gospels talking about repentance? Talking about immersion. Talking about confession. What about all those other instructions? What about belief? Yes, those are included. That's how we access God's grace. For no one comes to the Father except through me. Is exactly what Jesus Christ says. But God who is rich in mercy... Let's look at that. Let's look at that statement that Paul says to the church in Ephesus. Of course, he's talking to us as well. For God, who is rich in mercy, well, let's look at let's look at a merciful God. Yes, He has many attributes, but we're going to look at the merciful one since rich in mercy was was mentioned. Are we thankful that we have a merciful God? <laughs> Most assuredly, a merciful God is going to save us. When we come back to Him. A merciful God is going to forgive us when we turn away from our sins. A merciful God is going to accept us and welcome us back when we change our ways from the sinful ways of the world and come back to Him. The prodigal son, it's been a while since I've used him. Did he not do that very thing? He made up his mind to go back to his father. He realized he was dying. With that spiritual relationship, with that Young man, perishing is exactly what you look like when you're sinning. When you're living outside of that gracious God, when you're living 
out your life according to Satan, and Satan is your father, you're dying. But God is a merciful God. He extends his mercy unto those who come to him. Are we thankful we have that merciful God? Because in the absence of that merciful God, if God, if, a big I if, God did not have that merciful category or that merciful characteristic, that'd be a scary being. But he is a merciful God. He's rich in mercy. Just like he has more grace than there is sin, he has mercy ready to accept you back. Because of his great love with which he loved us. You notice that's past tense. Wait a minute, why is that, why is that past tense in verse 4? What act could God have possibly do to make that past tense? John 3.16, remember that verse? What did God do in John 3.16? For God so loved the world. This, this same love that we're talking about here, right? That he gave his only begotten son. That is Jesus Christ. That those who believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And, well, Jeremy, you keep going to that verse. It makes no mention of baptism. It makes no mention of, of repentance. It makes no mention of, of belief. It makes no mention of those things. No, because they're already implied. They're already implied because it's, it's the rest. you got to take it as a whole. Your instruction manual isn't complete if you just take out a whole lot of it. If you take out just one ver verse, if you take out one portion, it's not complete. Because of his great love with which he loved, past tense, us. Well, he loves us to this day. This is talking about Jesus. This is talking about the sacrifice that God the Father made by sending his son to this earth. Wait a minute, you tell me the Father made a sacrifice for that? He certainly did. We have an all-knowing God. You remember whenever, well, we, case in point, whenever uh, God was talking to Cain, a, a wonderful example, he already knew what Cain was going to do. You remember what God told Cain? He said, sin lies at your doorstep. You must rule over it. And of course Cain didn't. He, he slew his brother. And, and of course the outcome of that is evident through the Bibles. But God is all-knowing. He can see the future. He can see the past. He can see the present. He sees them at the same time. He loved us then. And he loves us in this day. But have you ever heard the term tough love? You ever heard that term before? God has a tough love. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Well, let's look at that first part of verse 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses, even when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for the ungodly. How many folks were saved when Christ, at the moment of Christ giving up his breath and when he, when he died upon the cross? How many were actually saved? That number is zero. You might say, whoa, wait a minute. How can you say zero? Because what washes sins away? The blood of Christ. Period. 
Had his blood been shed yet as he gave up his last breath? Through his back it was, right? But had he died? He hadn't died yet. <laughs> when Christ gave up his life, that forgiveness ran backwards and forwards through time. It's, whoa, wait a minute. Now you just blew my mind, right? Whenever Christ died upon the cross, allowing the access for remission of sins, allowing for salvation to be ready available to human beings, those who were faithful in the Mosaic Law to the best of their ability, those who were under John the Baptist's baptism, all those who have passed, faithful in God's eyes, receive forgiveness to the point of Christ's death and unto this day today. It was only available through the blood of our Lord and Savior. Even when we were dead in trespasses, Folks were dead in their trespasses when God sent his son to this earth and even when Christ was crucified upon that cross. After that crucifixion, salvation was accessible. Forgiveness of sins was accessible. A testament does not take an effect until the death of the testator. When Christ died, salvation was available. So, so even when we were dead in trespasses, God himself made us alive together with Christ. And now, by grace, you have been saved. Now, I want to ask you a question. Answer in your mind. How does one access God's grace? How, do, how does one access God's grace that he has so much of more than there is sin in the world? How does one access that? By faith in Jesus Christ. Period. And that's an act of faith. That's, where is that written? We just got through studying that in Galatians, did we not? Well, let's just, since we're so close, let's just turn back. <clears throat> Do -do -do. How far do I got to go back? Galatians 4. Galatians 3. Galatians 2. Well, that was a little ways back. Galatians 2. I know my mind was working on it. <clears throat> Uh, Galatians 2 and verse actually 16. I know we reference this a few times in our Bible class, and here we go again on a Sunday night. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. All right, that's the combativeness of the institution of the old law and the new law. Well, the, the faithfulness of the new law still applies by faith in Christ Jesus. And also move over to Galatians 3 and verse 7. Therefore, know that only those who are of the faith are sons of Abraham. Do you remember the promise that God gave to Abraham? That his seed will be numbered as the sands of the sea? That his seed will be numbered as the stars in the heaven? Y'all remember that promise? As we are faithful today, as we are of the faith, knowing that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham, not according to the works, not the old law, but faith in Christ Jesus. By grace, you have been saved. Now, how do you access God's grace by faith. By faith in the word. 
by faithful observance to God's instructions, by living out our lives as obedient as possible, by doing the things God would have us to do. And that is, when we sin, when we fall short, confess those sins, repent of those sins, well, repent of those sins, confess those sins, and pray to God that he will forgive you of those sins. And guess what? His instructions is true. He will restore you. Grace will be applied to you yet again. And I know there's other false doctrine out there as well that will con contradict what I just said. I understand that, and I know they're out there. But I'm just telling you what the Bible says. This is not my own opinion. This is God's instructions. And in verse 6, And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All right, and raised up together. Well, first off, you were dead in trespasses. Now you're alive, being raised up with Christ to sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you know what a heavenly places is in Christ Jesus? As, his, as God's children. Romans chapter 8 speaks of being joint heirs with Christ as we leave this earth. If we're found faithful, justified on that great day, you will be an equal with Christ. Y'all do remember whenever those Jews was combative with Jesus Christ because he did not count it robbery to be equal with God. Oh, those Jews didn't like that. No, we can't be equal with God. Well, little did they know Jesus Christ was God. He didn't count it robbery. He didn't count it a, a, a bad thing to consider ourselves equal with God. Have we not been commanded to be holy just as God himself is holy? Have we not been commanded to walk in the light as God himself is the light? Have we not been commanded to do those things? Now here's your question. Are we doing those things? Are we justified? Have we been raised up together? Are we doing the things God would have us to do? Are we that type of child of God that we should be? And in verse 7, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Couple this with Colossians 3 verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then we shall also appear with him in glory. God's going to show us his exceeding amount of riches that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. You might skip over a word. When I see it, my mind jumps out. It, 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 this word, well, my mind doesn't jump out. This word jumps out at me. Do you know what that word is? M-I-G-H-T. Might. John 3.17 has that word might as well. It means choice. It means it's not implied. It means that we can lose our salvation. It means if we lose heart, if we get faith in our well-doing, as we learned this morning, if we do those things that are displeasing in the eyes of God until we reach our death, unrepented acts, might is still going to be there. That is, we will lose our salvation if, we don't, if we're not found justified on Judgment Day. We need to be very exceedingly careful with that, that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace. I ask the hearers of my lesson to paint pictures into their mind often. 
Have you ever tried to look at Jesus in your mind? I don't mean an actual portrait. We've seen portraits of him. I mean the type of lifestyle that he had. What type of person was he? What did he look like? You ever tried to do that? This was a perfect human being. A perfect example of someone who is sinless, yet died a sinner's death. How do we, how do we measure up? How, how, how do I measure up according to that instruction, to, to that example? <laughs> Nowhere near. Nowhere near, but are we trying? Do you want to see Christ as he is right now? In heaven? Remember Stephen? What did Stephen see as he was being stoned? Christ standing. I remember last time the reference I said sitting, but he's standing at the right hand of God. In glory. And he's going to leave one more time. He's done left once already to come to this earth, took on human form, live that life of rejection, painfulness, just like you and I live, right? So he lived that type of lifestyle and died an excruciating death so that you and I may have an opportunity of salvation. He'd done that for you. And he went back up to heaven, ascended into the clouds in Acts chapter 1, and then that, that man standing in the white pearl says, why are you men of Galilee staring up in heaven? This same Jesus is going to come back in like me. Do we have that fresh into our mind still that Christ is actually coming back? And in the age to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and the kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Another attribute of God. We have a kind God. A kind God to his children. We hear that example again in the parable of the prodigal son. You remember the father? Remember the father rebuking the elder son? Remember that? He said, your son, my son was once dead, is now alive. He was once lost and is now found. We need to rejo rejoice in that occasion. Uh, again, that's a, another lesson in of itself. That's a characteristic of God. He welcomes us to come back. He's happy that there's rejoicing in heaven when that one sinner who needs repentance and comes back. And then verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith and, not of your, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Carrying on, not of, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Listen to verse 8 and 9 very carefully. For by grace you have been saved. It's the grace of God that we're saved on, on judgment day. Through faith. Faith in what? Jesus Christ. We just read that, right, in Galatians. <clears throat> and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. <coughs> we're about to enter into the, the gift-giving season, right? We're about to get into where folks just give their loved ones gifts and over the Christmas season or whatever, you'll go out shopping and you'll get presents for your loved ones, right? No greater gift has been given that will be given by God. And that is to hear those wonderful words, well done, good and faithful servant. And only you can answer yourself this next question. On judgment day, will you hear those words? But when you hear those other words, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, because there's going to only be two. 
There's only going to be two. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourself. It is a free gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Wait a minute. Why does it say not of works, lest anyone should boast? Does that mean to tell me that I don't have to work? That is not what that says. What this is referring to is his works alone ain't going to get you to heaven. James chapter 2 teaches us we have to have our works with our faith to get us into heaven, right? Or to be pleasing to God. Because if that, if that dead faith exists on judgment day, oh, depart from me, workers of iniquity, is what you're going to hear. And in verse 10, for we are his workmanship, <coughs> excuse me, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So how does one access God's grace? By faith. And it is that grace that's going to save you on judgment day. When you're adherence to God's commands, when you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, and you show that faith in your everyday walks of life, you've been created, that is, a child of God in Christ Jesus, that we must continue in that well-done workmanship that we should be doing. So my encouragement this evening, if you have faltered, if you fell by the wayside, if you find your work lacking, we can lift you up. We can help you by get, right, get back on the right track. And if you find yourself outside of Christ, yet to be immersed, yet to be baptized for the remission of sins, that's your first step to becoming a child. Well, excuse me, that's the fifth step to becoming a child of God. Are you lacking in that department? Have you yet to access the blood of Christ when well, you're still guilty of your sins? Produce those fruits of repentance. Believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Repenting of those sins, confessing that Christ is the Son of the living God, giving His life for your sins, and be baptized for the remission of sins, Acts chapter 238. Have you done so? Have you taken that short walk with Satan? Have you returned back to that children of wrath back yet again? Again, we referenced this morning, right, Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 26. Don't be God's adversary. Be his friend. Do you need to be his friend tonight yet again, confessing those sins? Because if you took in that short walk with Satan, don't make that an eternal walk. Nobody wants to walk with Satan in the lake of fire and would actually say that. Nobody would say that, but our actions do. So if you need to repent of your sins, please do so now while still today because tomorrow is not promised. It might not be there. Are you ready for the coming Christ? If he is your life when he comes back, you shall also appear with him in glory. Do you expect that right now? Do you need to make a change? Why don't we make that change as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation?